everyone, and welcome to 7 Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone who is very dear to me, a very close friend, someone I've known for a long time. We went to college together, and then we were roommates for a couple of years after college. She's a nurse practitioner, a mother, a very holy and faithful woman, and an amazing friend. It's Susan Tremazzo. Hey! (laughs) Thank you. Hello. Thank you so much for inviting me into this. I'm excited to, yeah, just walk through some scripture with you and talk about how how God can just move us in every part of scripture that we look at um, as we delve into it. So I'm just very excited to, to talk with you today. Is this, is this your first podcast or? It is actually, this is my first podcast. So thank you for, (laughs) um, for bringing me into this new world. Well, I hope that it won't be your last. I hope that you enjoy it. (laughs) I know. Absolutely. It's kind of like, yeah, feels like a little celebrity moment. So I'm excited. Oh, absolutely. You definitely (laughs) deserve a celebrity moment. We have been, this is not our first time talking scripture together, which I'm so grateful for. Like we used to, I had um, Gina on a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we were, you were in the same prayer group, women's group that we had formed in DC. So I'm so blessed that like, we're friends and we live together and we definitely like know how to have fun and have a good time. But like we can talk scripture together, which is just, it's rare. Absolutely. Yep. It's true. And it's what makes friendships last. You know, I have so many people who look at my friendships with who I went to college with and they're like, wow, you know, 20 years later, you know, you're all (laughs) close. And um, yes, and it's a mixture of us being able to be crazy and funny and have a good time, but bring it all back down to, Christ and his love for us and how he has brought us together in friendship and how we are designed to live in community with each other and to bring that community spirit to all people who we encounter so that we can hopefully just bring his light to this world. Oh my gosh. You're so well said. Girl, this is going to be a good episode. It is. It It is. Um, So I know you and we've known each other for a long time, but why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about you? Yes. So I, um, yes, as Julia said, we went to college together and we're roommates after college um, when we were both in grad school, actually. Um, And uh, I know those difficult, (laughs) difficult days. I know. Um, But uh, I now live in Jacksonville, Florida. I grew up in Washington, DC and I got to Jacksonville through my now ex-husband because he's from this area. Um, and then haha, he left. Um, and I was in <laughs> Florida. I was like, wow, here I am in Florida. But it is the grace of God that brought me here. Um, you know, as I look, it was not my ex-husband who brought me to Jacksonville, it was Jesus Christ. And he knew that there were some things in my life that had to be done. And some some barriers that needed to be broken down so that I wasn't using the idol of marriage and family and, and a house. Um, I wasn't looking at those idols anymore. I needed to look just at Jesus. And in what I've been through in my life since I've lived here, um, it's been just that, the breaking down of, of worldly idols for me, even though I never really would have thought of them as idols before. But he opened my eyes to so much, and I have found Jesus in just new ways since I've 
been in this new part of my life. And yeah, I've made friends and a new church community. And my son is at a wonderful Christian school. And, um, you know, as I raise him, he's seven now, almost eight, which is crazy. Oh my gosh, I, I can't know, believe it. I know. <laughs> but as I raise him into a man for Christ, um, I know that I can use the struggles that I've been through to hopefully just show him Jesus and allow him to be a disciple in this world too, because yeah, we're, we have to help these kids know Jesus so that they can help heal this world. Cause it's a crazy place these days. That's for sure. Oh my gosh. I love, I love how you shared your story. Cause it's, I mean, it's hard, but I'm sure that people can relate. So I'm glad that you shared yeah. a little bit about your story yeah. and, and how you've kind of rediscovered yourself Absolutely. in recent years, because I think sometimes we think like, Oh, we're close to this. I mean, I just turned 40 and you're close, you know, we're getting close. Like we think, oh, we should have it all figured out or we should be in a certain place. And I just, I love how I think both you and I have always been very open of like, we don't have it figured out, but you know what? We're a great work in progress. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and um, and that's really actually to segue into today's scripture, um, kind of how I'm going to link it all in. And it's that we are okay. not meant to um, have it all figured out. We are not meant to make it all work and have this perfect life. We can't do it by ourselves because we are our sinners. We are human beings and we need a savior. That is the only way we can get through this life. And uh, if we in this world act like we do have it all together and we can kind of make it all right just by ourselves, that's really us pushing God out of the mix. Um, and mm-hmm. and it's not, not honoring him for who he is. He is the creator of all life. And we we are called to surrender to him so that he can continue to work on us as his, his beautiful works in progress. That's beautiful. Wow. Suze, we're going to, you're going to preach today. Preach, I'm going to, I feel preach like, it. Okay. I know we're going to bring the walls down. Yes. I know we're, yes. we're getting ready for Pentecost here. Holy soon, fire. So the Holy Spirit. I know. All right. Yes. So we're going to do it. So you are going to be reading, um, which translation do you know? Oh yes. Yeah. So uh, I have, um, I had picked up this Bible cause it's got a really beautiful cover. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is the English standard version. Okay. I, I'm sure there's a joke somewhere in there about ju- judging a Bible on by its cover. You're but, um, right. I'll, I know. I'll leave, it to, <laughs> I'll leave it to somebody else. Okay. So you're going to be reading John, or not John. I did John yeah. the other day. So Matthew mm-hmm. chapter 27, verses 51 through 53. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Um, yeah. I'm going to read all of 51, a little bit of 52, and then the end of 54. So yeah, pretty much oh, in there okay. though. Great. Whenever you are ready. Excellent. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened. When the centurion and those who were with him saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Okay, so I'm going to give everybody a little bit of background, just like where we're at in Matthew's gospel mm-hmm. on this one. So, and actually, I'm gra- I'm glad you picked this. We're in the Easter season. Yes. I've never had a, a guest talk about anything from the Paschal mystery, like the suffering, death, resurrection. Right. Like we haven't had any anybody kind of talk about the crucifixion. So this scene comes like right after the crucifixion. And Matthew is writing his whole gospel to a Jewish audience. He himself was Jewish and then had a conversion, obviously, when he met Jesus and became an apostle. So he, throughout his gospel, uses techniques and Old Testament references to really try to convince 
um, people, and particularly Jews, that Jesus is the Son of God that they've been waiting for. And so this scene, this verse that you've picked, there's a reference to an earthquake. Mm -hmm. And we can certainly talk about like what that means. But an earthquake to the Jewish people and in the Old Testament was often symbolic of the coming of God. And so here we have, you know, Jesus dying on the cross and then the earthquakes. And so it's supposed to signify that this was the Messiah, the son of God. And then the centurion echoes that with his, his dialogue here. Mm-hmm. Also the, the veil, um, I think you're, you had curtain in your translation, right? Um, but you know, it's the same thing, yep. but it's the, the veil and the curtain is a reference to, to a Jewish temple veil. So we could talk about what that means and, and all of that. But um, my first question for you is, why did you pick this passage, Susan? Yes. Yeah, so I think, yeah, as I was looking through options and, and having come off of the Easter season, um, this passage has struck me in new ways as I've yeah opened my eyes to just to new angles of my faith. Um, and I think sometimes the magnitude of this moment in time isn't emphasized enough. Um, mm-hmm. I am fascinated. I've had a fascination with our connection, you know, to, to our Jewish roots, um, and mm-hmm. a fascination with echoing, like you said, um, what's going on in the new Testament to what has gone on through all of history leading up to right. this in the old Testament, because the Jews were waiting for the Messiah. So as we now go into the new Testament, um, and looking at our right, kind of where was their proof that, yes, this was the Son of God. So I have a fascination with that um, and, uh, yeah, just felt a connection. Definitely, yes, to the earthquake um, and the the power of God and the, the shaking of the earth to signify, yes, that, that this truly was his Son. Um, but then looking at the veil particularly is one of the things that I, I do want to focus on. Um, you know, as I have done a little research, I think growing up when I would, you know, hear this passage, I would think, oh, the veil was torn. And I would kind Mm -hmm. of picture this like gauzy veil in a church that kind of ripped, you know, when Jesus died. But when you look at what the veil is, um, yeah, it was in the in the Jewish temple and it covered it was a thick curtain that covered what they called the Holy of Holies. Right. Um, and the that was, you know, their tabernacle, basically similar to our Catholic tabernacle. It, you know, represented the very presence of God in, in that mm-hmm. place. Um, and only the high holy Jewish priest could go beyond that veil and be in the mm-hmm. very presence of God with the Holy of Holies. Um, the Holy of Holies contained the Ark of the Covenant. It was the law given to Moses by God. And so it was considered, yes, the very presence of God and his word and his law. And um, one of the most significant things about going behind that curtain was when the Jewish people would celebrate Yom Kippur every year, the Day of Atonement. Um, the holy priest would go beyond the veil and sprinkle the blood of a perfect spotless lamb on the Holy of Holies. And that blood was to cover over the sins of the Jewish people for a year until the next celebration or the next, uh, you know, observing of that, that feast. Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea was that, um, when God looked down, he would see the blood of that, that perfect spotless lamb instead of the sins of his people. Um, and it would cover over, yes, until they did it again, year after year, really until the Messiah came. Mm-hmm. So now we have Jesus, the perfect spotless lamb, 
who, who John in his gospel points out to tell them there he is, the Lamb of God, um, because mm-hmm. it's a reference to, to this part of their culture. Um, and with the veil being torn, when Jesus you know, presses up on his nail-pierced feet and he says, it is finished, that's when the earth shakes Mm-hmm. And the veil tears, and it mm-hmm. is the symbol to the Jewish people that there is a new covenant. Because the old covenant, the people, because of sin, sin fractured our world. They were kind of, you know, barred from the very presence of God. And mm-hmm. in the new covenant, ushered in by our Lord and Savior, we don't have to follow these strict things of the law to, you know, to gain God's approval. The new covenant says you put your faith in Jesus Christ because he paid it all. He paid for our sins and he invites us to go beyond that veil, even though we're not high holy priests, we're, we are, you know, dirty sinners, but he still invites us now come beyond that veil. Jesus has paved that way for you. And it is now a relationship, a personal relationship with, with God through Jesus Christ. And so, you know, as I've kind of looked more at the significance and, and how deeply impacted the Jewish people would have been that this veil is now torn, we can now, Mm come face to face with the very presence of God. Um, you know, that's really the significance in, in this piece of scripture. Um, and in this very moment of time, it's really kind of the crux of our faith, this very moment in time that, that rips the barrier of, of the old covenant versus ushering in the new covenant. Yeah, girl. Oh my gosh. You like read everything, all my footnotes that I had and like I had done similar research right. and like you, you nailed it. Yeah. Are you sure? Like you don't want to, maybe you should start a scripture podcast. I know. I saw. <laughs> like, crushed it. <laughs> yeah. Crushed it. No, that's exactly right. Like all my, my footnotes about the veil. That's exactly right. I mean, you can't, I'm not going to reiterate it because yeah. you totally nailed it. But you're, I, I want to talk about what you said earlier. Like, I don't think we think about this. I think, you know, we focus on obviously the cross and Jesus's last words, right. as you mentioned, that is finished. And we think about that moment. And then I think we just kind of brush aside, you know, that veil because we, you know, for us, it's kind of foreign because it, we're not in the Jewish culture. Right, right. But then when you when you make those Jewish connections, the Old Testament connections that you just made for us, I mean, it totally to, to see the significance of like how that now we are connected, we can go beyond the veil, we can have a relationship with God. And the sacrifice has been made like it's there's so much there. So I want to first when you pick this passage, I was like, this is a really random passage. to pick, But but there's so much there. And um, I'm really glad that you picked it. Um, What else would you like to say about? Yeah, well, um, just kind of yeah, going um, off of that, you know, it's true on on Good Friday, we kind of focus on Christ on the cross, his suffering, of course, his last words. And then as Christians, you know, knowing what happens on Sunday, we kind of I always felt we would sort of like then just go into the sadness of of Good Friday and the waiting of Holy Saturday and then the joy of Sunday. But um, yeah, like you said, the significance of this piece, this very moment in time, something that actually happened on this earth where people, you know, felt the earthquake and saw the, the veil with their eyeballs, that moment in history that happened was truly earth shattering. And so, um, yeah, when you really kind of stop to think about it, um, it sort of changed my perspective on some of the things that I, I think about on Good Friday now. No, and, and, and on Good Friday in, um, 
you know, in arch in the Catholic church, mm-hmm. we usually hear from John's, John's account. Right. We hear Matthew's account on Palm Sunday. So we do hear this. Like I've definitely heard it. Right. Just still kind of like gloss over it. Mm-hmm. But um, what else were you going to say? Sorry. So the other um, very significant thing that, um, again, I guess I kind of always just glossed over and maybe didn't think mm-hmm. about is the fact that the, the veil was torn from top to bottom. God is very specific to tell us that. He didn't just say the veil was torn. He said it was torn from top to bottom. And that is significant because it it shows us that God is the initiator of our salvation. We do not tear that, that veil from the bottom up. We don't climb our way to him you know, in, in what we do. He initiated our salvation by sending his son, by Christ's blood being poured out for us. And, um, and again, you know, as my faith has grown and, and my world has been rocked in different ways and, and now I see things differently, I think I always grew up. Um, and sometimes, you know, as Catholics, I think we can grow up thinking, you know, all right, we're at the bottom of the mountain, God's at the top, and I right. gotta, I gotta get up to him, you know. And uh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully, he sends me a report card along the way because I'm not really sure. Right. I think I'm maybe right. like getting a solid B, you know. I know I'm not A, but I don't think I'm the worst, you know. So I'm just gonna kind of keep climbing, <laughs> and you know, I might stumble down the mountain a little bit, but I'm gonna keep climbing so that I can get to him, so that I can show him how much I love him. But really, Christianity is completely different than that. A lot of other world religions, that is how it works, you know, um, and Judaism. Um, You know, you follow the law, you do X, Y, Z, you please God, he will be pleased with you and accept you. But part of the new covenant was Jesus saying, nope, that's, that's not how it is. We as human beings can't initiate that salvation. He, by his love, sent his son down from the mountain so that he could rescue us. We're not like climbing up on the mountain. We're all at the bottom of the mountain, like in mud, because we we need him. And he came down. He took us out of that mud and he says, follow me. You know, I think that, yeah, seeing, picturing God saying, I'm going to, yes, tear this veil that, that separates us. I love you so much that I'm, I'm giving you my son, Christ pouring out his blood. And um, I think it takes some of the pressure off of us. We don't need to tear that veil from the bottom up to try to get to him. He's mm. there and he invites us in every day. You know, it, it presents some challenges because people, of course, you know, who want to play devil's advocate um, say, well, you know, if, if your good works don't, you know, earn your salvation, then can you just say you believe in Christ and, and like do whatever you want? But a person who, you know, lives from a place of being saved follows Christ. We will never be perfect. We will never do the right things, Um, you know. But what he says is, here is, is my life, my blood, my total pure love. And now I want you to follow me from that place of salvation. And so if we have that salvation in our hearts and we walk with Jesus, yeah, we're going to sin because he's the only perfect one, but we will walk in a way that's different. Um, you know, we, we won't want to just do whatever we want. We won't want to follow the ways of this world because we understand the magnitude of what Christ did for us. And um, so it helps me in my journey of always being a sinner who's constantly stumbling of, you know, not just trying to get my act together and be better, but constant surrendering to 
ask his spirit and his holy fire to refine me so that I can walk from that place of salvation and hopefully show that to others. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Suze. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're talking about is grace, right? Yes, and grace that is, is yeah. and you're, I know grace is an important name for you yes, too. It's my middle name. Susan grace. And you years ago um, gave me a, um, a sign that actually hangs on my wall. That is the scripture passage, um, you know, that it, it is through grace that you have been saved. Yeah. So grace is in, you know, I think it's something that as Catholics, we learn the definition when we talk about sacraments. It's like, oh, it's a free gift. Blah, yes. Blah. But like, think about that. Like it's freely given. Yes. There's nothing that we, and I, and when I teach, when I teach sacraments, I don't teach sacraments currently, but like, if I ever do, like I remind my students, like grace is a free gift. Yes. Like it's, there's nothing you can do to earn that grace. Yes. It is freely given. Now we have to, it's, it's, God's not going to force it on us. So right. we do have to play our part in like accepting that grace. Yes. But like, if, if we decide to like accept that free gift, and let God in, you know, then, then he can take over. Yes. And, um, I think that's what you're describing too, is like God initiates it. He gives us the gift. We get to choose if we want to open that gift yes. or not. And what, what do we want to do with that gift? Yes. If we take that gift and we accept it, then hopefully we're doing something with it too. Like God, you know, throughout the gospels is like, you need to use your gifts. Yes. So I just, I always use that analogy yes. of like a gift when describing grace, it's freely given, but you have to like do something with right. it. Right. And that's you know? the beauty of free will. He tells us, right, I'm not yeah. going to force this on you. Um, right. But right, he gave us this free gift. He didn't say, all right, let me see if you can like, you know, hang and then I'll give you, I'll give you grace. You know, no, he right. gave it first, knowing that we would hurt him, knowing that we would hurt his other children, but saying, this is my grace poured out for you. And yes, I want you to respond. It's our job to respond to that grace in our lives. I'm, I wonder too, and I'm like, I'm going to take us totally off track. So we don't want to get too off track, but I'm just thinking like, you know, why is it that we feel like we have to earn that grace? And I think right. it's, you know, it's our human nature. It's original sin. Original sin like makes us feel like we, you know, we're, we're we've done something wrong and the devil tries to tell us that we we can't possibly, right. you know, deserve a free gift like that. Exactly. Um, so I think that it's our human nature and and um, temptation as well. Mm -hmm. But I think also our culture, I think our culture, especially as Americans, it's like you got to earn stuff. You yes. know what I mean? Like you got to put in the work and we it's you can't get anything for free. And so I don't know. I think there's something to that, too. It's but I don't want to take us in a completely right. different direction. No, but, but it is yeah. true because, uh, you know, when we kind of look at love the way world the world defines it or success or, you know, whatever. Um, right. You always have to to earn it. I'm going to earn this person's love. Will he love me? Mm -hmm. You know, if if like my hips aren't so, you know, flabby, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. will I yeah, get that promotion at work if I work hard? enough. So this earth kind of conditions us to mm -hmm. think that love, that we have to earn it. And that if we don't do enough, we, we aren't going to get love in return. And that's, you know, right. how the devil's been able to twist it. Um, but mm -hmm. again, God says, nope, this is a new covenant. This is totally different. And there's such a freedom in that when you can surrender that to know my relationship with God is different than what the world is. You know, I, mm -hmm can just lay myself at his feet and he is going to love me and I don't have to feel like I have to do something to earn it. He loves me. And that's the beauty of, of our relationship with him. And, um, mm -hmm. and then I can live from that place of the love that he just lavishes upon me. 
Um, and it's, it, it's such a freedom um, to, to have a relationship in this world that is not of this world. Right. Because I think everything, you know, here is temporary. It's conditional. Mm -hmm. We put so many conditions on things as humans. Yes. So it's hard for us to grasp that, like, God's love is unconditional. Right. There's nothing we can do. And I, I know that that's something in my my relationship with God and like, especially in my twenties really had to kind of grapple with like, I it's unconditional, yes. you know, um, and, and kind of figure out like what that means. And it's, you know, still a struggle. So how else do you think we can relate this verse to like our world today? I think that's kind of where we're, yeah, we're going at this point. Absolutely. So like real world kind of applications of this, because it seems like on the surface, like, you know, it's the crucifixion, but I mean, Obviously, there's other themes here. So right. what else could you say maybe about this? Yeah, well, I think, you know, um, yeah, as I, you know, I'm trying to raise a little boy uh, into a man, I hope that I can certainly teach him how to live from a place of grace and salvation so that he can give grace to other people in this world, people who look different than him, people who maybe believe differently than him, um, because we we are all in need of the grace of God. And, um, and just learning that, uh, I think, can help us look at other people um, through God's eyes and, and also knowing that we can preach through our lives without having to like really preach per se, that if we can show love and grace and mercy, even just a fraction of how God shows it to us, then we can, you know, be begin to heal some of the deep wounds in this world and, and in things that are going on right now. Of course, it's easier said than done. It's the classic, like, right. oh, I just want world peace. But, right. <laughs> um, but you know, what Mother Teresa, you know, always said, you know, peace begins at home. It begins with the family. It begins with the individual, um, you know, the work that you do as a teacher. And, and hopefully, you know, if we can just plant these seeds, um, not only through our own lives and giving grace to others, you know, um, from our own lives, but as we teach the next generation of what grace and God's love really is, the magnitude of that, I think if, if you know, kids as they grow up could really grasp the magnitude of his love for us, they would, mm -hmm. they would go into this world as adults in a different way. Yeah. I think yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking about like, okay, so how, how do we get that done? Like, how do we be grace or right. how do we invite people to grace to accept that gift, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then when you were talking earlier too about like God being the initiator, I think about Christ on the seashore, like, um, or going to the apostles and calling them. You had mentioned that like in John's gospel, he, you know, John the Baptist prepares a way and yes. says, behold the lamb of God. And he says that to, you know, Peter and Andrew and the first disciples and it's, Christ was inviting them. Yes. So I think that if we just were like to reach out to people more, mm -hmm. I, I know it's hard right now, especially in COVID yeah. because we're trapped in our like little bubbles. But I think, you know, we just get very in our culture into our little bubbles and circles and things too. And I think invitation is so yes. important. Like if we could step outside of ourselves and invite people like, I don't know, I don't know what that would look like. I don't know if you yeah. want to speak to that. Like what could, what could like invitation to grace, like Right. Like? <laughs> and it's, it's true. It's just kind of little things. Um, you know, I have some people in my life who I pray for because I want their hearts to be open to God's love more and, um, just little invites, like maybe sending, you know, a podcast link or, <laughs> you know, and, um, and, you know, or sending a piece of scripture or just saying, um, you know, Hey, I, I found this, you know, read this. It just kind of changed my, my perspective. Um, just, yeah, 
little tiny invitations to people, or even maybe somebody who, you know, isn't a believer, you know, when people ask me like, oh, you know, you've been through a lot. And, and I just, I just always say, you know what, it's Jesus, you know, his, his love has changed everything about me and my life. And it doesn't mean my life is perfect, but I just speak his name and, um, and just kind of, you know, might leave it there. And, God and the spirit will take that where they want to take it, where God wants to take it in that person's heart. You know, so if we just plant seeds and and we speak his name in this world that needs his name so much, um, you know, we can, we can let him do his work in us, but in others as well. I think that's really well said. When my students and I talk about Catholic social teaching and things like that, you know, we do it because um, we want to reflect Christ. It's not you know, it's, it's in our actions. And then if people ask, like you said, then if people ask like, oh, you have been through a lot or, oh, why are you doing what you're doing? Then you can share about him, yeah. you know, and then, and, and I think you're right too. Like I'm a big fan of St. Therese of Lisieux who she did little things. Like she wanted to be a great big missionary right. and she thought that's what God was calling her to do. And that's not, and that's kind of been my life too. I thought I was going to do these big, huge things, but you know, it's a little podcast here and there. Yes. It's, a, it's a classroom. It's, it's the little things though, that are going to make a difference, hopefully. Absolutely. So. And you know, God calls us each to our own ministries. Um, you know, in, in medicine, as I see people, you know, and I take care of their ankle mm-hmm. that hurts, you know, there are times when, a door will open and we talk about Jesus and we will pray together. And, um, you know, so in our little ministries, the day to day, uh, and again, going back to the fact that we just have to accept that gift to accept the invitation and to let him use us as a vessel. And he's the one who can do the great things. Um, he, mm-hmm. who knows, yeah, what seed you are planting in a student and what they might do down the road and who they may inspire. Um, because that's really the only way we can change things. I think we all wish, you know, you watch the news and you're like, Oh, I just wish I could get on a soapbox and like tell everybody, you know, can't we just right. all get along? Can't we all just love right. each other? You know, <laughs> but if we can do it in in tiny ways and in the people whose eyeballs we do come face to face with every day, then then we can, you know, change things, even if it's just for one person. Then that's one person maybe who has met Jesus in a new way. And and that's what he calls us to do, you know, make disciples. Um you know, yeah, some people he calls to massive things, um, but most of us, he, he asks us just to be disciples in our day to day. And, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, even if it's just one person who we can bring to him and, and have their life, their lives be changed because of his love, then that's, that's what we're asked to do. Amen. Ah, Suze, we like, we came up with some good things yes, here. Like I wasn't yes. sure where we we're going to go, but we did a lot here. And my takeaway is just going to be that I don't think we give ourselves enough credit And I think we're always looking for like conditions and just to, I constantly need to remind myself that, yeah, God's love is unconditional, free gift. Yes. I don't know. What are some takeaways you have that you want to leave us with? Yeah, I think kind of um, meditating on, on that veil and that, that invitation and that barrier that was put up when original sin came into the world, that barrier coming down um, and just Mm -hmm. the ushering in of the new covenant and always remembering that piece of, of our history, both in the Jewish faith, because we are Israel. So both for, for Israel and for us, as we, we continue as Christians, um, 
just knowing that that moment was so profound and the love that was poured out, the, out on the cross that allowed for that veil then to be torn um, is, is really where our faith began and really what, um, where he then calls us to action and says, okay, it's a new covenant. Let's go. All right. Oh gosh, this was so good. Suze, yeah, thank you so much for course. doing this. It was so, yes. so good to share faith with you just yes. that we have been so blessed to do for over the years. Um, at the end, mm-hmm. I give my guests an opportunity to plug either like a website or so I know you're not really like I mean, you're, you're active on social media. I don't know if there's anything you want yeah. us to draw our attention to. What would you like us to check out? Um, you know. If anything. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the Lisa Tierkirst books, I don't know if you've read her. Um, I haven't. She has helped me a lot. She's a um, non-denominational Christian writer. Um, she is a book. The first one that I read is uh, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. What's the author's name again? Um, it's Lisa, L-Y-S-A. Okay. And it's um, Tearcurse, T-E-R-K, I think E-U-R-S-T. Let me look it up. Yes, T-E-R-K-E-U-R-S-T. So she's a Christian writer. Oh, Uninvited. That was the other one that I had read. They're both just really beautiful. Um, she uh, just speaks to human struggle and, you know, wounds that happen to us from very young and how it how it affects us our whole lives, but how in all of those wounds, Jesus is there. Um, and she's somebody who, yeah, as I struggled with different things, really helped me see, okay, first of all, it's okay to be like messed up and have some stuff going mm-hmm. on. Um, and that that brokenness can only help me invite Jesus in even more. Um, and so I, I love her books. Um, she's actually coming to Jacksonville. I have a friend who I go to church with who um, who has read her stuff too. And uh, we're like, let's see Lisa Tierkers. We're so excited. Oh, awesome. She comes in August. So we're going to see her at one of the non-denominational churches that she's speaking at. And um, yeah, she's a very real author and just kind of puts it out there and is like, yeah, man, there is stuff that is not not cool mm-hmm. and, and really wounds us because we are we are woundable people. Um, but, uh, she just intertwines faith into it all so beautifully. So, um, yeah, I love those books. Uh, I love that you're going to be able to go see some, see her in person know, too. Like, it's so, so nice to be able to do stuff like that yes, again. Yes, <laughs> it is. I know it's, uh, it feels weird almost, but yeah, it's uh, so exciting to like be next to people and be in a place that's not my living room. <laughs> right. So, oh my gosh. I know. I can't wait. I know. Yes. Um, well, if you all want to talk scripture with me. You can check me out on Instagram at seven mile chats, all spelled out. I'd love to hear from you. Or if you would like to be a guest, you know, definitely you can message me. I'm also on Twitter, Miss Struckley, M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1. And you can talk to me there as well. But again, Susan, thank you so much for doing this. I love you. I love you. Thank you for everything (laughs) and for the ministry that you're doing and for a great opportunity to talk today. All right. Thank you, everyone.